Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, we have been in a new series called Life in the Spirit, and last week we touched on the very foundation of what does it mean to live a life in the Spirit. And we talked last week, and we looked at John chapter 3, which Jesus makes it very clear to this Jewish leader, Nicodemus, that in order for someone to enter the kingdom of God, in order for, for someone to see the kingdom of God, a spiritual birth must take place within their life. A person must be born again. And this only takes place, is what Scripture teaches us, by the Spirit of God. God has to do a work within us, within mankind, for us to be born again, but also for us to be walking a life in the Spirit. Well, this week, we are going to be talking about when somebody does come to know Christ, when somebody does become born again, is what Scripture teaches us, when the Spirit of God now dwells within His people, Well, now what takes place? And Scripture teaches us that there is now a battle at hand within mankind. And we are going to be looking at the Word of God out of Romans chapter 7 and and, and chapter 8 this morning. So we're going to be looking at this conflict. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 21. And I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning as we read God's Word. And this is Romans 7, but we're going to be starting in 7. And going into chapter 8, and I do want to, before we read this, point out one thing. Oftentimes, when people read Scripture, they read it in verse and chapter. And I want you to know that this was never written in verse and chapter. This is one continuous thought made throughout. So, with that in mind, Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 21. Loosen up your knees here, because I did pick a large section of Scripture this morning. The Word of God says this, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin." There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone 
who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will come, that you will minister to us, Lord, that you will remind us today of who we are in you. Father, I thank you for your word, for this time, for this gathering. Father, we, we, we lean on you, we trust in you. Lord, come and speak to us today. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. Now, that section of Scripture... I have to forewarn you, we're not going to get through it all today. So um, this is going to require two sermons. Uh, so you're going to get half sermon this week, and then you're going to get a second sermon next week to kind of finish this one up. Uh, we're just not going to be able to fully make it through this. But the reason why I wanted us to look at the Scriptures is because when we talk about a life in the Spirit, we have to understand what takes place within us when we come to faith in Jesus. See, the desire starts to change within mankind, and we actually hit on this last week, that, that when somebody comes to faith in Jesus, their actual desires begin to change. They no longer desire just the things of the flesh or the things of this world, but they actually start to desire things of righteousness within their lives. But what happens is that there's a battle that starts to begin within us. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this or even, even, even explored this whole idea, but when you come to faith, there's now a struggle that now happens within us. See, because before you come to faith, you have no battles. You have no sinful struggles. All you're doing is just living life however you see fit, and there's no internal struggle happening. You just, you just live in sin. You just do what, what you want. And there's, there's just, uh, you're just totally accepting of it. And it's just a life that we live in. This is how the human race is. But then you come to faith. And now the battle begins within us. Now, I, I remember that before I came to faith, and this was many years ago now, I remember being in high school, living a life of sin, thinking it's perfectly fine. Don't you dare question me. Don't you dare call me out. Don't you dare disagree with how I think and feel because I'm a sinner and I'm living in sin. And that's how sinners are. They, they don't want to be questioned. They don't want to be, don't you dare point out anything. But I remember I had this one girl in my home homeroom. My high school was super weird. We had a homeroom hour. I don't know if you still have this today, kids. Like, you got to show up 35 minutes early to get ready for school. It was really, really dumb. But anyways, I had this girl in there. She was like a sold-out Christian, and she had no problems pointing out my sin. And I was like, how dare you? But the Spirit of God was not within me, right? So, so when, when somebody points out sin, you're like, listen, don't... This is not allowed. And, you know, I did what any mature teenager does. You make fun of her. That's uh, what you do. 
The crazy part is this, though. I'll just, maybe I've like shared this aspect. I come to know Jesus two years later, and this girl walks into the church. I'm like attending. And I had to do the walk of shame. And I mean, and, and I was like, there she is. I got I to gotta talk to her. And so I went, I repented. I was like, listen, I had no idea what it, what it was like to be a follower. And she just kind of looked at me. And she's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, well, thank you for being a witness, even though I made fun of you every... She'd wear these Christian t-shirts. And I was like, oh, anyways, that's, sorry. That's, that's all Jeff, okay? That's who I was. But then the Spirit does a work within our lives. And that's what we are going to be hitting on today is that there's this battle that now takes place. There's a struggle that is now within us as believers that I think we need to to also still recognize this. Paul, in Romans chapter 7, he says this, and he describes it this way, verses 21 through 23. He says, so I find it to be that the law, to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see my members another law, he says, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. His inner being, Paul says, I have a desire now to do what is right. I have a desire to now honor God. I want to do what is right. But Paul says, I recognize there's something else happening within me. Though I want to do right, though I want to honor God, he says, I see a war taking place. That there is this war raging inside of him. He wants to do it, but then he sees, he says, I've got another member that is fighting me inside. If you look at just verses before this in Romans chapter 7, he says in verse 17, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Nothing good dwells within me, Paul says. He recognizes, Lord, there is this terrible, awful thing taking place inside of me. I want to love you. I want to be obedient to you. But I see another member within me that's just fighting it. And he calls it out. He says, it is sin. It is sin within me that that I do not want to do, but I'm constantly doing it. And I'm constantly facing this struggle. And I love his words in 724 when he says this. He said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul asks this this great question. Who will deliver me? He says, I see within me this body of death is what he calls it, which is like a corpse that, that just simply hangs on him for a corpse that he is unable to get freed from, Paul is struggling with here. It's constantly interfering with his desires to obey the higher impulses of his new nature. And he says, who is able to rescue me? Who is able to possibly 
deliver me from the sinfulness that is within me. I've probably shared this, but years ago, I, I used to work with drug addicts. Um, we had this, this transitional house, and you learn a lot from working with just different people. But this one evening, one of them shared with me what it's like to be addicted to heroin, which I've never done heroin, I've never been addicted to heroin, but if you have, you understand that there is a serious struggle. And this guy just laid it out for me. He said, Jeff, it doesn't matter how many years I've been off of heroin. When I was locked up, when I was in prison, I was off, off heroin for almost a decade. But he goes, but there is this thing inside of me that's constantly calling for it. That's just constantly calling out for it. And he goes, and I, I desperately want this thing to stop. And he goes, but it won't stop. And as he was sharing that with me, I thought, man, this is, you know, as a believer, we may not have a heroin addiction, but mankind does have a sin addiction, and it's constantly calling out. It's constantly calling us to it, as what Scripture teaches us here. And I don't know, maybe you've like been in church for like a long time, and I... I don't know if you actually recognize this within yourself or if you're sitting there saying, Pastor, I, I don't have any struggles. I, I don't even know what you are simply talking about here. I, I can't identify when I want to do what is right, I always do it. There's no questioning. I just simply do it. And it's like, we have to understand this reality, church. There's now a struggle. But Paul asked such a great question, who will deliver me? Who can actually take care of this issue that's, that's, that's waging war inside of me? Look at this. Romans 7.25. He, he said this, Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so, that, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Who can deliver a wretched man? Who can take care of this dead corpse that is upon me, Paul says. He says, thanks be to Christ Jesus. He's the only one who can now deliver us from this life. And when we come to faith, it teaches us that his spirit, it comes and it dwells within us and he has delivered us from a life of sin that we have. There is a vital theological truth here, church family, that, we, that I really want us to really understand. There is this battle taking place. And this battle is happening within all of mankind. It's, it's the battle of sin. It's the struggle of sin that you and I are born into. We can blame Adam and Eve in the Old Testament. You can read back and realize Adam and Eve, you screwed up. You, you set the whole course ablaze, and it's terrible. But we're born into this sin, but then we also choose sin, and we choose disobedience, and we have these desires to just disobey God. But then the Spirit of God comes. And this battle starts to rage. 
But can we be delivered from it? Can we be delivered from, from a life of sin? Can we be delivered from making the wrong choices? And Paul makes it very, very clear here. Yes. See, the difference, church, between a Christian and a non-Christian. The non-Christian has to choose sin. They have no options. They, they, they have no other way of thinking and doing life. They live a life of disobedience is what Scripture teaches. That's what they know. That's what they choose. But when somebody comes to follow Jesus, there's now an option. An option out of sin. An option to live a life that doesn't have to be obedient to the flesh, that can actually live a life in Christ, that can actually be delivered from the life of sin and death. There is this, there is this truth here that I think sometimes we don't always like realize. We don't have to live a life of sin, church. We're still going to have struggles. There's this war is what Paul talks about. But Paul literally says, you have been delivered from it. You have been set free from the life of sin. You don't have to continue down that road because the Spirit of God does this new work within us. He gives us a new life, a new birth that now takes place. We are no longer, church, stuck in sin. And I realize to the world we live in, this is craziness, and this is like, well, this cannot be true, because the world we live in says, well, I was born this way, I sin, you know, I lie, so I'm just a liar, I can't stop lying, I have to lie, I just lie. That's just who I am, I can never change. And it's like, that is, that is like straight from the pits of hell. Like, so like that, is, that is straight up a lie compared to, to what scripture teaches us. You are not stuck in sin. You are not stuck in just this life of like, well, I, I, this is just how I am. And it's never going to change and it's never going to be any different. And I see even people within the church talk that way. Well, I just, I just have these struggles and I'm never going to just get over it. And I'm just going to just continue to just be making bad choices. And, and it's like, you don't have to. The Spirit of God now dwells within you. You can be set free from the life of sin and corruption. You don't have to be stuck in it any longer. And then in Romans 8.1, which you've probably heard those words, for now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Leave that verse up there. The book of Romans is one of the, the greatest Christian writings ever. It's, it, it is one of the, the most pinnacle New Testament books. What Paul is doing here in this book, from chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, he's building a case against mankind. He is basically saying, we, we, are, we all fall short. We all fall short, he says within chapters 3, that all of mankind is sinful. And he even relates it back to Adam. And he says, Adam chose sin. We are all born into sin. We've got a sin issue happening within this world. He lays out this entire thing, and he's, and he's building this case. But, but you are justified through faith 
in Jesus. And then he talks about Abraham and says, listen, Abraham walked by faith. We too now walk by faith and we now trust in Jesus. And then in chapter 7, he lays out this battle that is taking place within mankind. There is this sinfulness. We see it. It's within us. What can we do about it? And then he gives us these words. Those who are in Christ Jesus are no longer condemned. Now, now that one word, condemnation there, within the Greek, it's not just that you are found to be guilty. Condemnation is you are found guilty and you now deserve punishment. So when he says these words, there's no condemnation. It's, it's, it is the pinnacle of what Christ has done for us. You are no longer condemned. You are no longer just condemned to be separated from God. Not because of you, but for those who are in Christ Jesus, condemnation is no longer upon you. The sin that is within you, the sin that you struggle with, the sin that now separates us from God, he says, if you are in Christ, he's taking care of that. He actually says in verse 2, you can, you can throw that one up there. I have to jump back to it here. He says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Meaning, when we come to faith in Jesus, church family, these are just such vital truths that I, I just feel like sometimes we can forget them or just not realize who we are. We are a sinner, but Jesus Christ delivers us from that sin, meaning we no longer have to walk in it, meaning we're no longer bound by it, meaning it can no longer control us because the Spirit of God now dwells within us and the Spirit sets us free. We don't have to choose that, that lifestyle, that sin any longer. And I realize, like what I said, the world doesn't believe that change can actually take place. Doesn't actually believe that, that we can be delivered out of sinfulness. But Scripture makes it crystal clear here. And I do think it hinges on this idea of not being condemned. You know what ruins relationships? Is when somebody feels rejected. It ruins a parent to child relationship. It, it ruins marriages. If you, if, if you feel like your, your spouse has rejected you, oh man, it causes all sorts of pain, resentment, causes all sorts of issues. And the same is true with our relationship with God. If you feel like God has just condemned you and you're just rejected, and well, you know, I, I sin and yep, I know it and I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy of him and he doesn't want me and he has rejected me and he won't accept me and he doesn't love me. You know, it, there are people that go down that path where they just feel like, Pastor, I know I'm a sinner. Pastor, I see my sin. As, as what David says, my sin is forever before me. I, I see it. I recognize it. Paul's chapter 7, he's just making it clear the battle 
that we face. But he wants to remind his people, you're not condemned any longer, church family. You're not condemned. You're not rejected by God. Not because of who you are, but because of what Christ has done for you. And now his spirit dwells within us. And we can now walk in the ways of righteousness. And I think that when you feel condemned by God, just like the natural relationship, you don't want to go to him. Well, he doesn't really want to hear from me. He doesn't really want to talk to me. He, do, he doesn't really want me. And it's like the scriptures teach us the polar opposite. Why do you think we have a cross in churches? It's because on that cross, Jesus Christ paid for the penalty of the world's sins, is what 1 John says. The world's sins. Not some sins, not minor sins, not just somebody else's sins. The sins of the world have been paid for. Your sin, my sin, paid for, taken care of. You're no longer found guilty because of what Jesus has done for us. And when we talk about walking a life in the Spirit, we have to live in this truth and reality, church family. You're not condemned. I cannot say that enough. We are not condemned any longer. Though we sin, is what John says, just come, confess it. He will forgive you. Just, just, just confess it. And the Spirit dwells within us. And my prayer that this week, church family, is that we would recognize this truth. That we would live in this reality. Because I think that when we live in that reality, as what John or as what Paul is going to be talking about a little bit later on here in Romans chapter 8, we now run to the Father. We now pursue God. We are now adopted into his kingdom. No longer who we used to be, but because of his spirit, makes us a new creation. We now get to walk in this newness of life. And I just see too many, too many people just feel like, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of stuck in this sin. And I'm telling you, you don't have to be. You are not stuck in bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness or sexual sins or fill it in. Fill in any sort of sin that, that we struggle with. We're not stuck in it any longer. You don't have to walk that way because the Spirit of God dwells within us. I want to pray for us this morning, and I'm going to invite the worship team back up, and I want to uh, pray for us as be before we sing this last song. I'm going to ask for you to, to stand this morning. I want to pray that we would be men and women who walk in this truth each and every day. I do think God's people should be walking in confidence, not in who we are, but in who Christ is and what he has done for us. Father, help us. Lord, I pray, Father, this morning, Lord, that we would be men and women who walk in the reality that we're no longer condemned, Lord, that we are set free from the life of sin. Father, that, that through what you have done by sending your Son, you paid for the sins of the world. You paid for my sin. 
Father, your people are not bound by it any longer. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would be a church, that we'd be men and women who walk in this reality every single day. Lord, that we would not walk in hopelessness and defeat, but Lord, that we would walk in confidence in who your son is and what you've done within us. When we come to faith in your son Jesus, a new life begins. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will walk in this this week. Lord, remind us every day, every day, Lord, that we are not condemned. We are no longer found guilty because of your son, Jesus. Father, help us to live a life in your son. Lord, I pray this over your church family, over me. Father, I praise you for your love and grace upon us. It amazes me. Lord, as we worship now, as we sing to you, confirm your word in our hearts and minds. I pray this now in Christ's name.